The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life-transforming health tech. From AI to robotics and beyond, we're reinventing what's possible, and we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more. LinkedIn presents. It really probably doesn't even matter which kind of practice. It could be journaling. It could be psychotherapy. It could be meditation. It's some means of connecting to inner states that we normally might not look at or not want to look at, not to make them go away, not to deny them, not to kind of fix anything, but to be present in a more loving way. It's Monday, people, and you know what that means. It means we're kicking off a new week of big ideas served up in 10-minute lessons one at a time over the next five days. This week, our masterclass is with a true master. Sharon Salzberg is a key figure in the story of Buddhism in the West. Almost 50 years ago, she co-founded the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts, and she's helped train a generation of meditators and instructors, and along the way, helped popularize concepts like mindfulness and loving kindness. But listen, it's not like this whole week is going to be about meditation. Maybe that's something you're into, maybe it's not. Maybe you're a Buddhist, though I'm guessing most of you aren't. No problem. I'd argue that Sharon's insights are universal and that what she teaches is actually a form of practical psychology, a toolkit for achieving a kind of emotional freedom, the ability to not just react helplessly to external events, but to become more aware of your emotional states and so to inhabit your life more fully. Sharon has a new book out called Real Life, The Journey from Isolation to Openness and Freedom. And she starts it off by identifying a state of mind that we all know well, even if we don't call it by the same name she does, contraction. Here's Sharon to explain. Contraction limits our creativity and connection. Think of the last time you were lost in fear, when you were harshly unforgiving of yourself, or when you felt a craving so strong that all reason and common sense fled. Remember those old infatuations, for example. Or consider the last time any sense of potential change collapsed and you fell into hopelessness. There are moments when we experience limited options, the blunting of our creativity, a feeling of disconnection, the dimming of our vision of what is possible. It's not to say that contraction is bad or wrong to feel, but if it becomes a steady state, we begin living more and more in a world of tunnel vision, auditory exclusion, distorted perception, narrowed interests of joy that is right here in front of us that we miss simply because we don't see it. Our perception of options, of possibility, of aliveness fades and we suffer. Sharon Salzberg, welcome to the next Big Idea Daily. Really excited to have you here. Well, thank you so much. So your book is called Real Life. I know you've written books called Real Love and Real Change, but what's real life? Why real life? (laughs) Well, it's interesting. I actually wrote this entire book while pretty much in lockdown here in Barry, Mass during the pandemic. And so life in, in so many ways was a virtual life, but the word real has come to have kind of 
layers of meaning for me, and, and that has to do with a kind of authenticity and mm-hmm. a feeling of wholeness. I was once interviewed for something, and the interviewer asked me, what do you do when you meditate? Like, what happens? I said, I sit down and get real. So is this a meditation book? Is this a guidebook for meditation, or is it something else? Well, what it is is a guidebook for moving from states of of great contraction and feeling Mm -hmm. trapped and defined by the circumstances of our lives over to a state of greater expansion and connection and freedom. Like, I can breathe now. And Mm. for some people, the engine of that journey is going to be meditation. For others, it'll be something else. Mm -hmm. For me, certainly, meditation played a big role in that since I've been meditating for as my friends say, before it was cool, you know, like (laughs) since 1971. One of the questions I asked myself very profoundly, I felt during that whole time of lockdown is what's still true? My expectations are shattered. I'm not even in the place I thought I was going to be. Certainly many people are experiencing tremendous loss and, and grief and fear. And so I'd say, what's still true? Like, What's holding me up? What can I rely on? What can I count on? And very much that sense of these tools mm-hmm. are still really useful. And even just the perspective of possibility was very important for me. Well, let's talk about contraction. That seems to be a major theme here, this idea of contraction versus expansion and freedom. It's interesting because I think the term contraction it's not one that I feel like I hear that often from psychologists. You know, we actually have a lot of psychologists on this show and, you know, people talk about anxiety, they they talk about compulsion. And I think you've kind of identified this, this idea of contraction as something that is common to many of those negative states. So when I use the word contraction, it's not the same as being one-pointed or determined or purposeful which some people think it is, I really do mean a sense of being trapped. It's like if you think about the last time you felt not just afraid, but kind of overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with fear, or the last time you just didn't see any options, you felt Mm -hmm. really trapped, or even the last time you were infatuated with someone or some experience, some event, and you look back later, you know, at a time when all reason had fled, and you thought, I will never be happy unless you know, ABC, and you think, what was I thinking about, you know? So it's not even so much the arising of a state like fear, but the way we can get consumed by it. That's what I think of contraction as. Yeah, it's almost like this state where you don't have choices. You're just swept Mm -hmm. along by whatever's happening. You're reactive. And there can be many types of emotional states that have that quality, but they're connected by this experience of choicelessness or you can only respond to your emotion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in a way, it it is a very limiting place to be. Yeah, well, I'd probably say apparent choicelessness Mm -hmm. or seeming helplessness, because of course that's the secret. We may blame ourselves mercilessly for the, the sheer appearance of one of those emotions, like fear, but the fact is, there is there's room to move in terms of how we relate to it. I find it quite interesting that this idea of contraction is common to some experiences that kind of feel quite different. Having a grudge feels different than having a desire does, to me anyway. That mm-hmm. feels a little bit different than guilt. That feels a little bit different mm-hmm. than fear. So sometimes I don't think of them as related states at all. And I, 
I like that you're identifying this common trait of contraction, of apparent choicelessness, and then helping us see ways to maybe move out of that state. Yeah, and I think one of the things that interested me the most in preparing to write the book or thinking about the book was the sense that some of the things that kind of according to certain cultures or part of society, certain things that are said to maybe hold out the most promise, when we really look at them, we find, oh, that's a pretty contracted state when I'm lost in it. You know, a state like vengefulness, since you said the word grudge. You know, so many people are raised or taught and believe, you know, that really being obsessed with the action of someone else and how you're going to get them back and the idea of revenge, like that's strength. Yeah, yeah. Is it? You know, like let's take a look. And if we are lost in it, it does have that element of contraction. We've now given over our whole life energy to someone else Mm -hmm. and their actions. There are so many people, and I face this a lot, think of something like compassion or gratitude as kind of stupid mm-hmm. and that it, it's sentimental, it makes you weak. And mm-hmm. in the case of gratitude, it makes you happy about just the crumbs that come your way and you know, resistant to arguing and fighting right. for a greater sense of dignity. But that's clearly untrue if you look at the experience and the research. Is it possible to be contracted in a positive state? Like, I don't know, contracted by by being head over heels in love or even in wonder or awe. Do, do those ever associate with contraction, do you think? I think the very nature of being immersed in them and deeply into them is a state of expansion. Mm-hmm. And it's out of that kind of connection with those states that many things emerge, you know, like it could be as simple as look at the factor of interest. You know, if you go into a meeting with a bunch of people and you have already resolved the one thing that's going to be the answer to the dilemma Mm -hmm. and you're not listening to anybody else and you're just polishing off in your mind the presentation of the one thing that is the only thing that's going to work. And maybe you realize that and you realize how tight that is and how tense you feel and how disconnected from everyone you feel. And you say, you know what, I'm going to let that go for now and just listen. Mm. and see what happens. And out of that listening, not only do we have a genuine sense of connection to others, but who knows what resolution might emerge that would be even more creative or more telling you know, for the incident. And so to realize that if we get connected to certain states, their very nature will be to open us. I'm wondering if you have any practical tools or recommendations, like how how can we notice when we're contracted? How can we see it? Because almost by its nature, it's hard to get a grip on often. Well, very often the mode of mindfulness that's most useful is through the body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's paying attention to what's happening in our bodies, because that will also be the feedback system. And it may not be to turn away from something, but it might be just to wait, like it could be journaling, it could mm. be psychotherapy, it could be meditation, it's some means of connecting to inner states that we normally might not look at or not want to look at, not to make them go away, not to deny them, not to kind of fix anything, but to be present in a more loving way. And that is the healing modality. And if you're in psychotherapy, of course, there's someone else who Mm -hmm. is helping provide that environment. Many of those practices you're doing alone, but still, that's the goal. That's the healing. It's not what comes up. It's not what we notice so much 
as how we are with it. And you could say that takes time. It often does take time. What I find it takes is a real sense of resilience because we fall down and we get very reactive or exhausted, and yet we can't pick ourselves up again or let someone else help us up and we go forward. And we have to have that kind of patience, I think, and forgiveness of ourselves as we undertake one of these processes. Okay, thanks for listening. Maybe this week you can try paying attention when you feel contracted or constricted and see what happens. Tomorrow, Sharon will be back to talk about some of the states of mind that might lie waiting for us on the other side of contraction, including happiness, an emotion that might not quite be what you think it is. By the way, did you know that the Next Big Idea Daily isn't just a podcast, but we're part of an honest-to-goodness book club? If you join us at nextbigideaclub.com, our curators, Malcolm Gladwell, Susan Cain, Adam Grant, and Daniel Pink, will send you hard copies of their favorite nonfiction books of the year, along with reading guides and other goodies. Check it out at nextbigideaclub.com. And to get 10% off, use the code DAILY. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.